This morning we are continuing our series that we are calling cow tipping, and we're taking a look at some of the, the sacred cows, some of the golden calves that we have established in our own lives, and, and what do we need to do to kind of flip some of those over in our life? And last week I shared the story about how Moses went and uh, he was receiving the law, he was receiving the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai, and Aaron and the rest of the Israelites were down below, and they got impatient waiting for, for Moses, and, and they melted down their, their jewelry, and they created this golden calf that they, that they bowed down and they worshiped. And, and I shared that, that kind of my definition uh, of what, what, what a sacred cow, what a golden calf is for the sake of this series is, is a thought, it's a belief, it's a t- tradition that we put a, a higher place in our lives than, than it deserves to be, oftentimes a higher place than, than God in our lives. And, and last week we, we examined about how often we elevate ourselves to a place higher than God. You know, our preferences, our, our wants, the way we think things ought to be, and, and just this consumeristic Christianity that, that, so, that, that has infiltrated so much of just how we live our lives all together. And, and this morning we're going to talk about another sacred cow that, that I think most, if not every single one of us in this room, if we're not dealing with it right now, we have at some point in our lives. And so, and so I want to just kind of, as, as we kick off this morning, I, just show of hands, who, who's been on a treadmill before? Yeah, like I, I'm sure most of us have. If, if you've not been on a treadmill, you're at least somewhat familiar with it. And, and a few years back, our family, we used to go to the Y on, on a weekly basis. And, um, and, and looking at me now, you'd probably be like, yeah, Pat, you need to go hit the Y again, to which I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, but, but for me, like, I, I always enjoyed the treadmill because it was a great cool-down exercise for me, that after I had worked out, I would go on the treadmill and just do kind of like a, a fast-paced walk as, as just my, my cool-down afterward. And, and, and if you were here last Sunday, um, you heard Lowell share during communion comments just a small bit of, of vanity um, in his life that, that he was honest about, just sharing about having hairspray and a, and a comb in, in his car at, at all times, just, just in case. Um, but I'm going to confess a little bit of vanity to you this morning as well, um, that, that if I'm honest, there's times when at the gym I've broken the cardinal rule of being at the gym, and that's comparing yourself to somebody else who's at the gym as well. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a big hiker. If, if you, you know me, like if you've seen my office, like I, I love to hike, I love to be around. And there's, there's a phrase that hikers often use, and they, they call it, they, they say, hike your own hike. And, and the idea is don't compare yourself to anybody else. Like you, you're, you're not in competition with anybody. Like just go at your own pace, do your own thing. Ca- carry the gear you want to carry, hike your own hike. And in, in a lot of ways, it's the same thing at the gym as well. You know, do your own workout. You're not competing against anybody else. You're not, um, uh, you're, you're not comparing yourself to anybody else. Well, I, on this particular day, I'd finished my workout. I was walking on the treadmill, and this guy comes on and right on the treadmill right beside me. And he, he was a little bit older than me. He was a little bit of a, a bigger guy. And he starts off, and he's going, you know, just walking, and then he slowly starts to pick up the pace to the point like he's kind of going at a pretty good clip. And I was like, oh, man, all right. And... and <laughs> And, and so, like, in, in this moment of stupidity, I thought, all right, I'm not letting this guy who, who's got 10 years and probably 40 pounds on me show me up 
and, and so, like, I, I start picking up the pace a little bit, you know, and I'm, I start to, you know, like, get a, get a good jog. And, and then, like, I, like, and this is supposed to be my cool down. And, but, but I'm, like, I'm competing with this guy that's right there on the, on the treadmill next to me. And, and you know, and, and at this point, like, I'm just, I'm just hoofing it. I, I'm just e- exhausted. And, and, and a little, like, I, I finally slow down. I finally get off. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing? Like, and I'm sure I'm the only person in this room that's ever done anything like that. But, but, but I feel like th- this is a pretty good illustration of where many of us find ourselves in life, of where life has taken us right now. That, that little by little, we've added some things to our life. Little by little, we've increased the pace of our life. Little by little, we've started taking on more and more in, in, in our lives, you know, that maybe we got a, a job and, and maybe we got a second job because we had to pay off student loans and then a, a girlfriend came into the picture who then became a wife and then, you know, before too long a kid came and, and all the, the diapers and the formula and the sleepless nights that come with having a kid and then, and then a second kid with more diapers and more formula and more sleepless nights and, 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 th- and then before too long you have soccer practice and, and school programs and piano lessons, basketball camp and braces and, and maybe you start taking on more responsibility at work, buying a house that's a fixer-upper and so now you have house projects that you're working on too and, and you have a dog or maybe you have two dogs or maybe you have two dogs and three cats hypothetically and, 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 and you're trying to figure out, all right, how do I how do I save for how do I save for retirement? You know, I have kids that are we have kids that are growing up. They're going to be going to college soon, and, and we start having all these things that that we started off as just this slow pace, and slowly we've just ramped it up, and ramped it up, and ramped it up, and, and we find ourselves just going at a, at a pace and just feeling this pressure of life and feeling so overwhelmed. And we ask, all right, how did we get here? How did we get here? How did, how did we get to this place? Or, or maybe a better question is, how do I get off this treadmill? How do I, how do I get off it in the first place? And, and my guess would be that if I, asked, if I asked you this morning, like how many of you feel rushed, feel overwhelmed? Do you feel like there's not enough hours in the day to accomplish all that needs to be done? Most people would probably say, yeah. Like how many times have we said that, man, I just wish I had more hours in the day? And if you're like me, maybe you're trying to figure out, all right, how do I squeeze just a little bit more time out of my day? You know, we analyzed the checkout line at the grocery store, all right, trying to figure out, all right, which one's going to move faster? Like at the, at the stoplight, all right, we're looking at the car, we're trying to analyze the driver from the back of their head, all right, which one is going to pull out a little bit faster? Like, does anybody ever try to multitask in the bathroom? working on some business while you're doing your business, right? You know, like, like we're, we, we've done that, haven't we? And, and, and based on conversations that I've had with so many people and looking at my own life, we, we just look at the pace at which we're living and all the things that we're doing, and we can't help but feel disappointed that we've been so busy and we just don't have time for the things that we love, or, or even worse, we don't have time for the people that we love because we're so busy with all of these other things. And, and we're saying, man, like, is life really supposed to be like this? Is it really supposed to be this way? I, I heard a pastor share this one time, and I wrote it down because I thought it was so good. And, and it's a question I just want to share at the outset of 
of this message here today. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's, what if the greatest enemy to the life we want is the life we're living? What if, what if the greatest enemy to the life that we desire to have is the life that we're currently living right now? The pace at which we are, are living this life. And so the, the sacred cow, the, the golden calf that we're going to be trying to tip over this morning is just this, this hurried, over-busy, over-scheduled life that so many of us have. And let me tell you, like, this message is for me as much as anybody else. This is not anything that I have mastered whatsoever. In fact, Angela and I were literally just talking about this this morning. All right, what do we, how, do we, how do we handle this pace at which we are living life? Because we, we all have things to do. We all have lives to live. We have places to go. We have jobs to do. We have bills to pay, groceries to buy, kids to raise, yards to mow, news to read, dinner to make, clothes to buy. And we just find ourselves on this treadmill, not truly getting anywhere. And we come to this realization, man, I just don't have time for the things and for the people that are really worth my investment, that are really worth my time. We, we find ourselves not having time to have meals with family, not having time to have deep conversations with our friends that we need to connect with. We're not giving ourselves time just to, to rest and to reflect and to read and to have intimacy with God and others. And, and so that question, what if the greatest enemy to the life we want is the life that we are currently living. And so today, I'm, I want to take a look at the way that Jesus lived his life, the way that he, the way that he lived and the way that he loved others, and, and have us pursue a, a better way forward for every single one of us. In fact, if, if you take a look at, at the four gospel accounts, the, the, the writers that, that shared the story of Jesus' life, it's pretty amazing when we see the way that Jesus, the way that he lived, the way that he loved others. Je Jesus' ministry, it lasted, his public ministry only lasted for three years. That, that was it. For, for, 30, for 30 years, like he, he was just doing his thing, and, and his actual ministry, which is what most of the Gospels record, lasted only three years. And, and, and in those three years, like he, he embraced the mission that, that the Father had given to him. He, he raised up a, a team of followers that were, that were going to kind of carry the, the, his kingdom forward. He trained them in kingdom values and kingdom principles. And, and he took this, this ragtag team and, and he, he poured himself into them. And, and he endured hatred from the Pharisees. He resisted temptation from the devil. He healed all sorts of, of people who were sick loved all sorts of hurting people. He, he, preached, he preached the kingdom, the message of, of God's kingdom fearlessly. And through all that, and, and, and if you're taking notes, you want to write this down, Jesus never rushed, and Jesus never ran. In all that Jesus did, like everything that he packed into those three years of public ministry, he never rushed, and he never ran. Like You, you can read through the Gospels backwards and forwards, and you'll never find a single instance of Jesus running or rushing or sprinting or hurrying. Like, he, he, Jesus was busy, no doubt, but he never rushed. You, you never read Jesus saying, all right, well, Thomas, you know, like, he's running behind. We're just going to leave without him. That'll teach him a lesson to be on time next time. Like, he, he never said, all right, we're, we're running behind. We need to make up for lost time. We're going to take a shortcut through Samaria today. Like, he, he never said any of that. 
He never once ran or, or rushed. And, and he lived a totally different experience than most of us right here today are living. And I want to share with you a, a passage from Mark's Gospel. And there's a phrase here that's repeated so often as we read through the Gospel accounts that describes Jesus. And it's in Mark chapter 2, verse 14. It says, as he, meaning Jesus, as he walked along, as he walked along, you, you will find that phrase repeated over and over again in the four Gospels. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him as he walked along. And I was thinking about Levi, that, that Levi followed an unrushed Jesus. A Jesus who was never in a hurry, never stressed out by all that he had to do, not, never feeling like he didn't have enough hours in the day. And if Levi followed Jesus' example, my assumption is that Jesus would also live that same kind of life. That if he was walking with Jesus for those three years, he was also living an unhurried, unrushed life. And if that's what a follower of Jesus ought to do, what does that say about the way that we're living? Are we living that unrushed, unhurried life as a follower of Jesus? Or are we living contrary to the way that Jesus lived? But, but the, good news, the, the good news for us is that if you find yourself on this treadmill, that, that the pace has picked up as, as the years have gone by to the point where it just feels like it's hard to keep up, or maybe you see the guy on the treadmill next to you and you're kind of cranking it up a little bit yourself to try to keep pace with him. The good news is that Jesus invites us to come to him, to learn from him. And he promises to give us something that so many of us desperately, desperately need. And it's a, it's a heavenly rest. And, and I want to share with you a passage from Matthew's gospel from the message version. And, and the message, it, it's not a word-for-word -word translation. Eugene Peterson wrote the message. It's more of like a, a modern paraphrase. But I, I love the way that, that it just kind of gives some, some depth and understanding to Scripture. And so I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 in the message. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. I love this next phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Like, my goodness, is there anybody that hears that and just longs for what Jesus is offering there? That we look at the life we're living now and we hear what Jesus has invites us to, and man, say, I want some of that. I want some of that. He says, all right, get away with me. Walk with me. Watch how I live my life. Like, we shouldn't just believe what Jesus believed, although we ought to, but we ought to be living the way that Jesus lived. Like I said, he only lived on this earth for 33 years, and, and he didn't begin his public ministry until he was 30 years old. And so interesting to me, you know, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. The skies opened up. The Holy Spirit descended it like a dove. God spoke and said, this is my, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the very first thing that Jesus does when he begins 
his public ministries, he takes a 40-day sabbatical. Like he goes and spends 40 days alone with God. And during this time, he, he resists and, and fights temptation from the enemy. He, he really kind of like solidifies his identity while he was away with God. And, and when you think about a- after this, Jesus' first miracle, where was he? He was at a wedding. And he, he didn't like big time the wedding and say, all right, you know what, I'm, I'm the son of God, I'm going to book out early. No, like he stayed until the very end. To the point like they ran out of wine and, and, and Jesus, he turned water into wine and kept the party going. Like he, he, wasn't, he wasn't in a rush to get to the next thing. He was there. He was present in that moment. Jesus had a, an encounter with a man named Jairus and Jairus came to him and said, oh, my, my daughter, she's, she's really, really sick. She's really ill. Will you come? Will you come be with her? And Jesus, he doesn't drop what he's doing and run. He, he walks. He starts making his way to, to Jairus' daughter, and as he's walking along, there's another woman that comes up to him. She had been sick for 12 years. And as he's walking to Jairus' daughter, not in a rush, not in a hurry, he stops and he gives this woman who had been sick for 12 years his undevoted full attention. He looked at her with love and grace and compassion. He healed her in that moment. And, and while Jesus was taking his sweet time and while he was ministering to this woman, Jairus' daughter actually died. She passed away. Again, Jesus was not in a rush. And Jesus goes and, and he raises her from the dead. It's almost like he's saying, you know, like, I, I have time in my hand. I, I'm, I'm not going to rush. When, when you think of Mary and Martha, that their brother Lazarus, he was really, really sick. They, they sent a message, Jesus, will you come quickly? Lazarus is really sick. And scripture says, it took him three days before he decided he was going to go head over there. Like Jesus was not in a rush. And when he got there, he raised Lazarus from the dead. When, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, like he could have picked any mode of transportation he wanted. He could have picked a racehorse. Like he could have picked a steed. He picked a donkey. Like, I, I'm, I'm not well-versed in, like, the, the speed of a donkey, but, but I, I, get the, I get the idea that it, donkeys never seem rushed for anything. Like, you never see Eeyore running a red light. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, they, they just don't ever seem like they're in any kind of hurry whatsoever. But this is how Jesus lived his life, every moment of it. And so if Jesus was not living a rushed life, why are we? Why are we? That phrase, as Jesus walked. Jesus walked, and way too often we're running. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a professional counselor or anything like that, but often just in, in conversations I've had and, and just observation, I, I feel like often we're either running from something or running to something, and that's a motivation for us, that, that maybe we're running from our past or maybe abuse or failure or insecurity, and, and we use that, and we rush and we strive because we feel like, all right, we have something to prove because I'm running from those things that were, or, or maybe we're running to something. Maybe we're running to, to marriage or to money or success or likes or reputation because we have goals we're striving for and we're pushing because we want to achieve so maybe we're trying to prove something or maybe we want to achieve something. And the problem is that often we find ourselves so busy 
chasing a life that ends up leaving us empty in the end. Like we wear ourselves out, and in the end we just feel empty. We feel exhausted. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 16. And the New Living Translation says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? Or how Eugene Peterson wrote it in, in the message paraphrase. He says, What kind of deal is it to get everything you want? You're striving. You're pushing. You're, you achieve everything that you wanted, but you lose yourself in the process. What could you ever trade your soul for? Like, like we can push so hard and we can run and rush and be busy and pursue and strive so hard, but in the end we end up losing ourselves in the process. And I mean, th this is a huge topic. It's a huge problem and a huge issue. And, and I'm not going to insult you by saying, all right, all right, so here's the thing. We all know this is a big issue. Do these three things and then your life is going to be fine. You're not going to be stressed. You're not going to feel rushed and, and overwhelmed. No, that's not going to be the case. Because this is going to be a constant tension that we're always wrestling with. Finding the, the, what, what Jesus called the, those rhythms of grace, those unforced rhythms of grace. And it's a tension. There, there are seasons where things are really busy, and then we also need seasons where we rest. And, and so what, what I want to do is there, there's, I, I want to just offer some suggestions, some thoughts that if we pay attention to these things, it's going to help us in achieving a balance as we walk this tension of, of busyness and striving and doing. And so the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is learning to be just present in the moment. Learning to be present in the moment. And, and I know for myself, and, and I, my guess would be for many in the room here today, we, we probably struggle with this from time to time, of being present in the moment that we are in. Because it's so easy to focus on what's coming next. What do I have coming up that we fail to enjoy this moment that's right here in front of us? We've all heard the phrase before, stop and smell the roses. And the thing is, it's true. Like, in, instead of us having just this tunnel vision of what's coming next and what do I need to achieve and, and what do I, how, do, how do I try to squeeze more juice out of this orange? How can I just sit and enjoy the orange? by taking that time to be present right here, right now. In 1 John chapter 4, John, John Key kind of boils down the question, who is God, in, into just one simple phrase. And, and in 1 John 4, he says, God is love. Like at, at his core, that's who God is. God is love. And if we think about what Jesus said the greatest commandment was, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Like when, when we boil it all down, the Christian life is not complicated. Loving God and loving our neighbor, it's really not that complicated. And there's a, there's a book that, that John Mark Comer wrote. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I, if you can put that, I cannot recommend this, this book enough. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And, and his, in his book, he says that love is incompatible with hurry. Love is incompatible with hurry. We can't love God and love others if we are constantly in a rush, if we are constantly hurrying. And if we think about Paul's famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the very first thing 
that Paul says love is. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is not in a rush. Love takes time. And the pace at which most of us are living our lives make loving God and loving our neighbor virtually impossible. Because we're so hurried and we're so rushed. And if love is incompatible with hurry, the way we're living our lives makes it virtually impossible for us to love God and love others well. If we're going to fulfill the greatest commandment, we have to intentionally slow down to be able to be present in the moment, to, to make to make very purposeful time with God every single day. That when we are with other people, that we're not constantly checking our watch or or already thinking three steps ahead of what's coming next, but learning to just be fully present, just just to be in that moment. I I, I think the second thing we can pay attention to when it comes to the sacred cow of of being busy, over-busy and over-hurried is we need to choose what's important and eliminate what's not. Now, this seems really, really basic, but it's also really, really true. Because the, the solution for our addiction to hurry and rushing and busyness is not having more time. The solution for our addiction to busyness and hurry and rushing is not having more time. Like, I've mentioned it before. How many times have we said, man, I wish we had more hours in the day. And, and the reality is that more time is not the answer. It's what do we do with the time that we're given? And if I can step on some toes here today, including my own, we end up investing a lot of time in things that really don't matter. The average American spends 147 minutes per day on social media. That ends up being 894 hours for the year. And if you break that down, thinking of like an eight-hour work day. That ends up being 112 eight-hour work days. The equivalent of 112 eight-hour work days spent on social media. Extrapolating that a little further, that, that's essentially five months of work that the average American spends on social media. The average young man, by the time he's 21 years old, spends nearly 10,000 hours playing video games. An 18 to 35-year-old still play an average of three to six hours of video games per day. Now, I recognize that's not everybody in the room. I know not everybody here is on social media for 100 and, what did I say, 47 minutes per day. And not every young man is playing three to six hours of video games in a day. But if we all took an inventory of how we spend our time, how we spend our lives each week, I think we would be shocked as to where our time goes. Where our time, is, where our time goes. Like, not only where it goes, but are we, also, are we also putting our time in things that we shouldn't be giving it away to? That, that treadmill that we're on, we don't go from a dead standstill to a full sprint in one second. It's a gradual ramp up. We slowly turn up the speed. We've taken on a little here and a little, a little there, this activity and this practice and this event and this work commitment, and before we know it, we're just at a full clip. And I think it'd be wise for all of us to take a step off that treadmill and evaluate. All right, how did I get here? How did I get to be going at such a fast pace? 
and asking ourselves, all right, what are those things? What are those things that are truly important that, that I absolutely have to devote my time to, and what are the things that I, that I can eliminate? And admittedly, like, for somebody that has a hard time saying no, saying no is difficult. Saying no is, is hard to do. But a no for now does not mean a no forever. There's also times, like I said, there's seasons, so maybe it's a no for now. But that no might be a yes later on. But we have to take the time to step off that treadmill and just take an inventory of where things are. Where do I need to reprioritize? And finally, and this is, this is probably the most important aspect, the most important thing for us just to consider as we're trying to figure out this, this balance, this tension of, of time and busyness, is sensing God's presence and recognizing His voice. Sensing God's presence and recognizing His voice. And when we do that, when, when, we, when we take the time to, to sense God's presence, all right, God, what, what are you doing right here in this moment? Tuning, quieting ourselves down and recognizing His voice. We're going to notice some things. We're going to notice some things. That, that maybe it's, it's, we're having a conversation with somebody and we ask just one more question. In, instead of ending the conversation and, and heading to the next thing we have to do, maybe we just dig a little bit deeper. We go a little bit deeper in, in, in what we're talking about. Maybe we just take a little bit of extra time to notice. What's God up to in this moment? That, that often we find ourselves so busy that we might not even see because we're just blasting right past it. Let, let's walk a little bit slower. Let's live at the pace that Jesus lived. And, and when we look at the life of Jesus and every person he healed, every person he interacted with, every person that he loved, every miracle he performed, he did it as he walked. He did it as he walked. And, and that leads me to the, the last point this morning that I want to share. And, and the last thing I, I want to, I'm going to ask something of you. Because this last point is, is really, it's, it's a prayer. And I, and I want to ask, would you be willing to pray this prayer every single day this week? And I want you to write this down. God, help me to walk slow enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Every morning this week, when, when you wake up, would you pray this prayer? God, help me to walk slow enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. When you wake up, maybe as you're driving to work, taking your kids to practice, like let that just be your meditation. Let that be your thought. Let that be your prayer this week. God, help me to walk slow enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Because that's what, that's what that, that greatest commandment is all about. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. God, I, I want to walk slow enough. I don't want to be in such a rush that I'm missing you and I'm missing the people that you have all around me. 
because I've become so busy. Jesus never rushed. He was never in a hurry. He never ran. He walked. And so as we close our, our time here this morning, I, I just want to remind what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. If you can actually put that back up on the screen in Matthew 11 in the message version, where he said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out by religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Like Jesus is extending that invitation to every one of us today. Get away with me. Recover your life. Walk with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's not something that just happens. It's, it's something we have to learn. We learn by observing. We learn by putting it into practice. We learn by doing it and stumbling and failing and then trying again. But we can learn how to do this. The, the sacred cow of busyness, that we feel like we are of value and we're important based on how busy we are, based on how many things we're doing, how many balls we can keep up in the air at one time. Jesus demonstrates a different way. So my, my prayer for us is that we would exchange our way for his. Our way for his. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for us? Lord, we, we love you so much, God. Thank you, God, for just the, the example that you have given to us of, of what it means to, to live an unrushed and unhurried life. Lord, what, what, it, what it means to, to live a life where, where, we are, where we are fully present, fully present with you, that we are fully present with others. And God, I, I pray for each of us today that you, would, that you would help us to do exactly what you talked about in Matthew 11. That, that, we, that we would walk with you, that we would watch you, that we would work with you, that we would learn those unforced rhythms of grace, that we would be able to recover our lives, Lord, and, and not be in such a rush, not be in such a hurry, that we end up missing the very things, God, that you are trying to do inside each one of us. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would help us to take a step off of that treadmill and maybe, maybe to reevaluate, maybe reprioritize some of the things that we have going on in our life. Maybe there are some things that we have to say no to. And just because it's a no now doesn't mean it's a no forever. But I pray for our church family here today. God, that you would help us to walk slow enough. Help us to walk slow enough. God, so that we are fully, fully present with you. That we are loving people deeply. And that we could tip over this sacred cow of, of how busy we are and how many balls we're keeping up in the air. Instead, just learn that rhythm from you. God, help us to love you and love people well by slowing down, by walking with you. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know this is true for all of us, but we have certain routines that we get into, things that we do on a daily basis to where 
there may be some significance to what we're doing, but we don't think about the significance of it because we do it routinely. Let me illustrate it this way. This coming June, it'll be 52 years ago that my wife and I first came into this building to worship. And for 16 years, we lived two blocks north of here. And this address of this building is 718 East Don Moyer Avenue. Don Moyer Avenue is a street that is only 12 blocks long, just on the other side of Stanley Clark, ends at Main. And all the many times that I've driven up and down Don Moyer Avenue and came to this place, worked here for 12 years, I don't know where the name Don Moyer came from. <laughs> Until two months ago, I did some research. And Rudolph Wellington Don Moyer, for whom this street is named, he died in 1931. He was a Civil War veteran from Pennsylvania. He served in a regiment from the Pennsylvania, became a colonel, and was a leader in the local chapter of the Grand Army of the Republic. And he's buried in the city cemetery here in town. And so now you know Don Moyer Avenue. <laughs> Is that going to have a big impact on your life? Probably not, but it illustrates how we get so used to seeing something and not really know what's behind it. Now we have a routine here of every Sunday morning we come and we take a piece of bread and we drink from a cup and I enjoy the hugs and the handshakes but sometimes I think it's good for us to stop and remember why we do what we do. It's more than just fellowship. It is because on the very last Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples he appropriated two symbols from that he appropriated the bread and the cup and he says this is my body meaning the bread and this is my blood meaning what was in the cup and he says as often as you eat of this bread and drink this cup you'll show forth my death until I come again and so it's not just the fellowship that we enjoy in this small meal we have each week it is that we're having a memorial service remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf so that when this life is over, when all these routines we get involved in are done, we'll be reunited somewhere else in a far, far better condition. And so I pray that as you come forward this morning, continue the handshakes, continue the hugs, but remember what it is that we're memorializing this morning. Will you bow with me, please? Holy God, our Father in heaven, Father, we're so thankful for all that you have given to us, Father, but especially we're thankful that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to this earth to walk among us in an unhurried pace. And yet, Father, what he did at the end of those three years of his public ministry where he willingly offered up his life, was nailed to a cross, shed blood, he did so that you would have compassion on us and forgive us of our sins. And so, Father, as we eat this bread this morning and as we drink from this cup, we remember the body and the blood of your beloved son and the love you showed us in that sacrifice. And it's in his holy name that we offer this prayer. Amen.